Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Michelle Vigna Baltzas. Michelle is a midlife expert who is passionate about supporting and educating women in their 40s and beyond. Her unique approach to health helps women focus on caring for and respecting their bodies so that they can honor their unique needs and personal values. To learn more about her work, read her blogs and articles, discover resources, and stream other midlife interviews, visit her website at michellevignabaltzas.com. Michelle, welcome to the Me Time Midlife Podcast. Hi, Kim. Thank you for having me, and thank you for getting my name perfectly pronounced, or pronouncing yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's start with this question, which you know you listen to the show, thank you, um, that I ask every first-time guest, which is, what do you enjoy doing during your me time? Yes, I want to say I do listen to your show and I really enjoy it. So thank you for putting out such a wonderful podcast for uh, midlife women to really get information about all different types of topics. So that's the first thing. And to answer your question, me time really looks like quiet meditative time. So I'm very into meditation and um, it's really been something that I've had to cultivate over the years. So it's really just being quiet with my thoughts so I can really discern what I'm needing um, mm. at that time or, you know, in the future, but really just being quiet, just settling myself a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quite a few other guests have been talking about that quiet grounding, centering morning yes. time and how important yep. that is. Yes. And I do have time that I carve out in the morning for um, some prayer and meditation, some journaling, and I don't make it a big production, but it is something that I, uh, that I, I make time to do. And it, it, when I don't do it, which is rare, I feel very off mm -hmm. for a good part of the day. Yeah. You know, my philosophy is get the habit down first and then you can always extend it later, right? So just 100% agree. You know, if it's one minute meditation, you know, yep. 30 second meditation, just yep. get the habit down, make it consistent, yep. and you can always mm -hmm. make it longer later. Yeah, it used right. to freak me out to think about meditating. Oh, I don't, I don't have time. I can't do that. So yeah. I literally started with what you said one minute. I was like, Oh, one minute, I'm good. Right. <laughs> and I would just build on that. So I 100% agree with that. Yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, if you could do one minute, you can do a one minute and one second, one minute and two That's seconds. Right. You know? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I love the work that you do, Michelle. I, I'm really interested in this. Uh, self-compassion work, um, body image work. So let's start there with how did you get interested in these topics? Well, self-compassion is something that I learned about late in life and uh, body image and food is something that I've struggled with for earliest memories go back to being literally five years old. Mm -hmm. So um, I had an eating disorder for several decades, I struggled with body image. And 
throughout my life, people were always telling me, God, you're so hard on yourself, Michelle. And I would always kind of look at them like, what does that mean? I really didn't understand what that meant and how that translated to my life. Um, and so it wasn't until, you know, I hit probably 45-ish that I really needed to look more at my life because I was exhausted. Um, I was just so tired of everything of just the way I was doing my life. I was tired of beating myself up and I was tired of um, certain patterns in my life that were no longer serving me, yet I didn't know how to, um, to change things up. And when I started to research more and more, um, self-compassion kept coming up. And there it was again. I was like, what is this? So, you know, the more research I did, the more interested I became. And the research, you know, really uh, is there that it is the key to healing. So I started to embrace that. It was not easy at all because it, for me, it really was like learning a different language. Um, so it took, you know, it took a lot of practice and it continues to take a lot of practice. This is something that is not a one and done. Um, you just really need to keep working and cultivating it and being more gentle. So, you know, it really came out of necessity. Yeah. You know, I think all of us women maybe can really relate to yes. this. Punishing <laughs> ourselves. And in fact, you know, I, I've mentioned before maybe that, I was a personal trainer for about 14 years before I became a wellness coach for women in midlife. And it was through being a trainer and one of my clients, you know, saying she's not going to eat any cookies over the weekend and she was going to work out over the weekend. And then Monday morning rolls around and she didn't do either. Of, actually, she ate 10 cookies instead of none. And she didn't work out because she was beating herself up the entire weekend. Mm. And so that was the first time I realized that you know, I mean, when you're a trainer, nobody teaches you how to be with your clients. You just know how to get them fit. Mm -hmm. um, but the, for the first time, I realized that my client had been beating herself up the entire weekend. And the last thing she needed from me was to beat her up some more, right? Was to punish her some more. <sighs> yeah. So it was, it was really that as well, Michelle, you know, where self-compassion and, you know, us punishing ourselves was really a turning point for the work that I do as well. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it can really lead to depression, more anxiety, you know, and, all, and I was suffering with all of those things and never really thought that self-compassion had a part in that until I started to really dig into it. And then I was like, oh, maybe this is something I need to look into, yeah. <laughs> you know, because right. none of my doctors were ever telling me that, you know, oh. they were just like, here, <laughs> take this pill, take that pill, do this and do that. Yes. They're not looking at that holistic view that I'm sure that you do in your work too. It's like, what else is going on in your life? Mm. Um, and when I started to look more at that is when I really started to see that there were so many other things that uh, might be contributing to the way I was feeling. And uh, it was eye opening. Yeah. Now I know it kind of self, it sounds kind of strange for me to ask you this, but what is your definition of self-compassion? When we talk about self-compassion, what, what do you mean by that? It to me is really tuning into what I need in the moment, mm. you know, and remembering to ask myself, especially when things are feeling 
uncomfortable in my body because I've really learned over the years to become very intuitive. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm feeling off, you know, in some way, you know, I could be feeling tension. I'll do a quick body scan. Where am I feeling this tension? And then asking myself a couple of questions, you know, what am I needing right now? What's going to help to relieve this feeling that I'm having? Um, Who can I possibly ask for help? Where can I go to get support? You know, what is it that I really need right now? Uh, It could just be, you know, disappearing for a moment just to catch my breath, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be, it could mean so many things. But the bottom line is to be in tune with what my needs are. And then if possible, trying to meet them, mm-hmm. you know, in, and even if it's not in the ultimate best way to do it, it's in some ways so that I can get some type of shift. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mindset kind of changes and the experience becomes more positive for me. Mm. So why, why do you think it's important to cultivate a practice of self-compassion? Well, <sighs> so many reasons but you know I used to feel that beating myself up was the way to motivate myself and I learned just the opposite that actually being more self-compassionate with ourselves increases our motivation so that has helped me in so many different parts of my life Um, it's also made me just generally happier you know and I don't walk around being happy all the time I don't think that that's realistic but I have a much um, more positive view of um, my life and just the world in general, looking at it from with the lens of self-compassion as opposed to being so critical about everything. Um, my self-worth has increased dramatically since I've been working, you know, toward living a more um, compassionate life. Um, and also for me, on a personal note, my depression and anxiety has decreased significantly. Um, and that also is right in line with all of the research. You know, we, it's not really possible to heal from those things if you're beating yourself up all the time. It's just not, you know, it's, it's constant like raindrops on your forehead, you know, of, of unkindness. So, you know, those things uh, are some of the things that I think make a huge difference when you, when you begin to, you know, put self-compassion um, first. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Cause I think it's really true. I think we think that we're going to motivate ourselves if we beat ourselves up. Right. Yep. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of like with my client that I was talking about when I was a trainer, I mean, she expected me to give her an extra hard workout to punish her basically Mm -hmm. for what she didn't do when she said she was going to do or what she didn't she said she wasn't wasn't so it's interesting that you said that self-compassion actually being kinder to yourself motivates you more than punishing yourself beating yourself up how does that work for you well i i think that it being self-compassionate gives us that little break in our brain and so we stop beating ourselves up where it gives us an opportunity to open up our hearts and our minds to, okay, so in the example of your, of your client, she didn't, she didn't do the workout and she ate cookies and she said she wasn't going to. So to maybe get underneath what might be some of the factors that are preventing her from doing those things. But when we're beating ourselves up all the time, there's no room to even to even um, contemplate those possibilities because we're so busy with the hammer, 
Mm. You know, so when we're more open, we're able to see, okay, well, is it a time management issue? Is it that the movement that I'm engaging in is not exciting for me? Do I not like it because I don't like where I'm doing it? You know, there could be so many reasons why somebody isn't moving their body in a joyful way. Um, maybe it's also because they're forcing themselves to do something that they really don't like doing. That might be an opportunity if they're being kind to themselves to say, is, there's nothing wrong with me. Maybe I just don't like this type of movement, period. And maybe I can find something else. And But that keeping themselves open to that gives them that possibility to, to find that other type of movement, you know, that might work better for them. But if they're in that critical, I suck, I can't do this, this is what I always do, blah, 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 it's going to be really hard to find something, uh, to find something else that they might enjoy better, that they might do more consistently, you know. So I just think it keeps us open to a lot of possibilities. Uh, and that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, we'll get into body image in just a little bit, but you know, it, it is difficult for us. And like you said, it's something you constant, you're still learning. It's something yep. that I'm still learning. And I think all of us are on this, all of us women are on this journey of self-compassion. Like mm -hmm. it will be on it for our entire lives. Yep. Um, but you know, it is, it is really challenging to be compassionate to ourselves when we have always grown up maybe not liking how we look, not liking our size, our shape, our whatever, anything. I mean, we, we can pick all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Like, right? <laughs> yep. um, yeah. So, I mean, where, where did this come from? I mean, I think I've mentioned this before about how society has kind of ingrained this in, in us women, right? But also in our families, it, it depends. Some families are not like this, but where did it come from for you? I, I think it was, I don't know so much that I observed it in my mother because I grew up, I, my father passed away when I was seven. So it was, my mother was a single mom raising two, um, two girls. Um, and I, I don't really remember my mother outwardly beating herself up. In fact, I thought that she had a decent, uh, you know, image of herself. It wasn't it when she was younger. When she got older, I don't know like what age exactly, but I do remember her body changing at one point and her being really disenchanted with the way it had changed, specifically in her abdominal area. So my guess is it was probably midlife-ish, you know, when that typically tends to happen. Um, and so, you know, I do remember hearing that a lot, but other than that, I don't remember her being like overly critical of herself, but her body, her body image, definitely there was some disenchantment there, but it was later. Mm -hmm. So that was hard to hear. And I definitely internalized some of that, but absolutely, uh, body shape and size was mentioned you know, about other people. So in other words, if my mother would see a woman who was in a larger body, she would in Spanish say to me, gorda, which means fat. And, and so, and she would kind of like, like get my attention, like, like, God, look how fat, like that was her, the, her intention of doing that. And so my mother, a person, a larger body always meant 
that they, in quotes, let themselves go. Right. So at a very young age, I was conditioned to believe that that was bad. Larger people were, you know, didn't take care of themselves. And the, the typical stereotypes that you hear about people in larger bodies. So that was very damaging. And of course, I know now it was extremely damaging. I know my mother had no idea the damage that it would cause, nor at that time did the research, was the research there, you know, uh, now it is. So that type of language is damaging for people to hear. It stigmatizes people. There's all kinds of just negative stuff about it. But uh, I, I just think it's really important that we have to look back, like you said, you know, we have a vision, I believe, of how bodies are supposed to look and what we're told. The media tells us a certain thing, you know, and it's it's very, very damaging to us. We are not all supposed to be the same shape or size. Weight is a very complicated science. It's not just, um, you know, calories in, calories out. There's so much more to it than that that people really don't like to acknowledge. And I think that's also where self-compassion is very important because it's understanding that there are multiple pieces, all of these inputs that, uh, you know, are part of our body shape and size and that some of that is beyond our control, you know, and, and, and especially for midlife women, that hormones are a huge, huge puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's learning to accept these changes uh, with grace and ease to the best of our ability, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's hard enough to be going through the changes that we go through in midlife. Uh, and the kinder we can be to ourselves during that period of time will likely decrease the symptoms that uh, many women experience during midlife, you know, the depression, the anxiety, mm -hmm. the sense of hopelessness, all that type of icky stuff. Yes, that's right. I mean, you're already going through all of these physiological and physical changes. Mm -hmm. I mean, the last thing you need is to make it harder on yourself by criticizing yourself all the time, seeing all right. the things you don't like. Um, right. Yeah, that right. doesn't help. No. For sure. Right. And it's going inward. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's an understanding that our bodies no matter what we do are going to change. They're supposed to change. Our body at 45, 65, you know, 50 is not supposed to look like it did when we were 25. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, they're not, we're not designed that way. Our body, especially women, you know, many women go through pregnancy, their bodies change. You know, adolescence, our bodies change. You know, menopause or pre, they change. Post, it, they're, they are supposed to change. That's an appear, something that, again, that we, we can need to do our best to embrace or else we're going to suffer a lot, <laughs> you know, suffer a lot. And really, is that the way we want to live our lives? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, my education was in the study of the body. And I mean, our bodies, especially a woman's body is incredible. I mean, the mm -hmm. things that our body, I mean, we can push up baby out. <laughs> yep. I mean, we can grow a living human being. Um, our bodies are so strong and so resilient. And I mean, they're just, I mean, our bodies are really, really incredible. Um, you know, when you think about everything that it allows us to do. Yeah. So let's focus on that. <laughs> 
and the amazing things that our bodies can do and respect them and try our best to meet their needs rather than, oh, I'm wearing a size whatever and I've gained so much weight and my body is this and I look terrible. Um, and instead focus on what it's able to do, mm-hmm. you know, and the amazing things that it has already done. Mm. And, uh, you know, and God willing, will continue to do, right. you know, so it's like, let's go again, let's go inward and stop focusing so much on the outside. But the outside is what society tells us we are supposed to focus on because it's very wrapped up in appearances. Right. Um, but again, self-compassion tells us to go inward and to respect more and to appreciate more and that's where the happy place comes from (laughs) yeah i mean studies have already shown us that external external things like you know how big your house is how expensive your car is how much money you make um the vacations you go on and and all this kind of stuff those external things they make you happy for a short amount of time but they don't make you happy for a long time whereas deep relationships love um you know uh fulfillment purpose meaning uh feeling of accomplishment um you know health you know all of these intrinsic things really make us happy over time and it's all that internal stuff that you're talking about. And I think this relates to the body in that if we focus so much on the outside, I mean, maybe it makes you happy for a short amount of time. But when we think about what our bodies are capable of doing and, you know, the fact that we can walk, the fact that we can ride bikes and, and we can go on vacations and we can hike and not get tired and all the things that bring us joy that our bodies help us do, those are the things that make us happy in the long run. Yeah. And, and the things you described all help us to create memories, Mm -hmm. you know, and those are the things that we are going, that are going to really stick, you know, like when we're older and, and, you know, the things you mentioned, you know, not everybody can do them, but, you know, because people may have, they may struggle with a disability or something like that. But for, for, the larger population, they can do these things. And I mean, literally every time, and this may sound crazy, but this is to the level that I go with this, I'm in my shower scrubbing and I'm crouching down and I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty cool that I have the ability that my body can do this, Mm -hmm. you know, that I do this without any effort. And I have such a deep appreciation for that because Mm -hmm. you know what? I just feel very blessed that I can do that. And people are like, oh my God, that's really not exciting. But I'm like, yeah, but it's it's an ability that my body has. Mm. And I'm so grateful for that, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, am I wearing a, si- a single digit size jeans like I did in my 20s? No, but my body is still amazing. And it still does amazing things for me every single day. And I make sure to honor it every opportunity that I have. I love that. That's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about disabilities and yes, that's true. But also there's going to be an age where our bodies just wear out and we're not going to be able to do those things with ease anymore. Absolutely. We need to really be grateful for what we can do still um, because there will be a point where it'll be really hard to sit up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sad to, to think that, but 
but it is true. So it's reality of life. And that's yeah. when, like you said, we're going to be recalling those things that we did exactly. because those, again, those are the things that are going to stick. Those are the things we're going to be like looking at a photograph and being like, Oh my God, what a wonderful memory, you know? Um, not the car we were driving, you know, not whatever, whatever the material stuff, it's all the other stuff that, um, that's around us and, and the relationships that we cultivated, you know? Uh, yeah. Someday we're going to long for the days that we have the body that we have now. Yeah. Kind of crazy, but it's, yeah. And people so, say it all the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, Michelle, uh, let's, let's talk about now, um, you've built a great case for self-compassion. Um, <laughs> and, and well, first of all, is there anything else you want to say about body image and self-compassion before we go into some suggestions for women? Uh, just similar to what we've said, just that we, we keep going inward and stop looking at the outward stuff because that stuff is temporary, you know, and that we keep asking ourselves what we need. You know, and that could be by way of, you know, what we eat, you know, who we hang around with, uh, how we view our bodies, but what are our needs, you know, and then doing our best to, uh, to honor them mm-hmm. kindly, you know, right. kindly and not judging ourselves for what our, for what our responses are, you know. Um, so just being in all areas as kind as we can be. Yeah. I like how you talked about, yeah, this is, our our bodies are temporary, you know, like, I mean, it's constantly changing. We're constantly aging and it's in flux, but the way we talk to ourselves, our self-esteem, our self-worth, our self-talk, our self-compassion, these are things that we can grow and cultivate over time because as we get older and our body continues to change, um, it may be ways that we don't necessarily want uh, we we absolutely need to, as early as possible, develop this this practice of self-compassion so that we Definitely. can carry that into our later years. Yep. So, Michelle, what are some suggestions for women who want to cultivate this self-compassion practice? Maybe right now they are beating themselves up a lot. They They have a lot of negative self-talk when it comes to their body image. What do you suggest for these women? Yeah, that's a great question. I You know... The first thing I would recommend is to really start noticing your language, you know, your internal dialogue, you know, and and really ask yourself a very important question. Would you speak to a friend this way? Mm. You know, would you speak to a friend that way? And the majority of the time, the responses I get from my clients and from friends is, absolutely not you know how would you support a friend who is in pain or suffering you know it's certainly not the way most people respond to themselves so how if the way you would treat a friend is really the way the goal here or what we want to strive for is the way we would console a friend is the way we want to console ourselves Mm. you know Um, and again that takes practice because a lot of people feel that they're letting themselves off the hook you know all kinds of um very negative self-talk with that but that also we have to turn back around and say this is not serving me mm-hmm. you know this is no longer serving me um you know and for what helped me also with self-compassion and i'll say it quickly was to really get in touch with and this is a little woo-woo-ish and some people really are turned off by this but like that whole like inner child thing and like really connecting with my inner child and knowing that you know at some point in her life things were not you know, her needs were not met and really trying to connect with her and be kind to her. Because for me, my, the turning point was 
envisioning, I had, I was taking a self-compassion class and I literally saw like a little version of myself and she was so scared of the adult Michelle because she was being like shouted at. Mm. And that was a huge turning point for me of like, I don't want to be unkind to myself. Mm. And when I envisioned my little girl, it, and I even have pictures of myself on my computer so that I can look at her all the time and remember to be kind to myself. Because when I'm, when I'm being unkind to myself, really, I'm being unkind to my inner child. And that makes me really sad. And I would never speak to a child that way. So it helps me to remember to stay focused on continuing to cultivate. So being aware, um, you know, speak so if you if you know that your language that you're using with yourself is really unkind, ask yourself if you would speak that way to a good friend. Look for signs in the body. You know that there is tension or stress. Anytime you feel like you're struggling with something, that's usually an indication that you could be kinder to yourself in some way. So ask that question again, what do I need right now? What could help me to shift right now? And it could be walking away from something. It could be meditating. It could be listening to something funny just to raise your vibe. You know, there could be all types of tools that you could access. But it's, again, always going inward and seeing what your needs are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great, Michelle. I mean, it, I don't think that was woo-woo at all, the uh, the inner <laughs> child thing. In fact, um, I'm not a woo-woo person but I, I definitely think about the, my, who I was as a little girl and yeah. would I talk to myself like that? Would I talk yes. to this little girl like that? You know? Yeah. And you know, another thing that motivates me is to, um, you know, be an example to the next generation. Yes. The way that I treat myself and view myself and talk about myself and even we're, I mean, even talking about apologizing too much, you know, yes, things like this, like, like little girls and like the next generation, like they're watching us, they're listening to us just mm-hmm. as we did. Such a good point, Kim. So important. We have to model. We have to model, right? We have to model. Exactly. We have to be modeling. And, and the, the younger generation now is a lot of them are fairly unapologetic and I say good for them. It's time. <laughs> it's time that women are like, I don't need to keep apologizing mm-hmm. for being who I am. Yay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going back to being the change you wish to see in the world. Yep. Right? And that's, that's that's really right. my, you know, my aim is to absolutely you know show up as as myself and you know be honest about the struggles and and mm-hmm. all of that which we all have because yes. with social media right now, um, you know, it's so easy to think that everybody has this perfect life and everybody looks so great and nobody has any troubles and that's just not true. true. Um, So it's, it's that balance of trying to be our best selves and cultivating a self-compassion practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one, the one thing about self, that's one of the three components of self-compassion is the common humanity piece that we're never alone in our suffering, that everybody suffers with something, you know, that helps us feel less isolated, but it also gives us that connection to the world and helps us to be nicer to ourselves and to others. And we need that so much right now. (laughs) The world is suffering. So uh, we all just need to really just take a step back. You know, we want someone to do that or say that or to, to us, to us. And in most cases, the answer is no, especially with social media. I mean, it's really frightening. 
Um, so the more of this we can do, I think the better off it's, it's going to affect all of us because it does ripple. I believe that. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. I'm going to put your website um, in the show notes. I'm also going to put your Instagram uh, feed, uh, what do you, whatever you call it, profile mm-hmm. in, the, yes, yes. in the show notes. And then you mm-hmm. have a Facebook group, I think called No Diet Sisterhood I'm yes. as well. And then you Great. have a 14-day self-love challenge, a free challenge. I'm going to put the link to that as well. So Great. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today and for sharing uh, your knowledge and your own personal story uh, when, it re- when it comes to self-compassion and body image. It's very relatable to all of us. Thank you so much for having me, Kim, and I hope that this um, benefits your listeners. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcasts app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more me time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.